Welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. Two Bible readings this morning. The first is Galatians 5, 16 to 23, and the second is Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, no wait, I, I think I went too far there. Anyway, <laughs> Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Happy New Year! Happy New Year. Yes, thank you. I don't know about you, but I actually I love having New Year's Day on a Sunday. It just feels right to set the tone for the year, to gather together with God's people, to sing his praises, to share communion together. And judging by the response, maybe I'm the only one. But, but I, I really, really like having New Year's Day on a Sunday. A few weeks ago, Pastor Luke talked to us about putting God first. Remember that? Putting God first. And this is having church on New Year's Day is just like a symbolic way to start the new year by putting God first. And I really like it. And this is going to be an exciting year for us as a church. As Peter mentioned, in, in two weeks' time, we're moving to a new venue. So God has blessed us doubly. First of all, he's blessed us by bringing so many people to us that we've already outgrown this building. And secondly, he has blessed us by providing a bigger venue in Officer. And the long-term goal of this church has always been to, to be planted in Officer, to reach and bless the community of Officer. So we have been blessed greatly. And we have been blessed and we want to, to be a blessing to others. The whole point of being blessed is not so we can just hoard it all up for ourselves and pat ourselves on the back and go, hey, look how good we are, God blessed us. No, the whole point of being blessed is so we can pass it on and share it around and be a blessing to the community that we're in. So we want to continue to be a blessing. We want to consolidate the great things that God has already 
started to do in our church. And we're also open and enthusiastically looking forward to seeing what else he has in store. Last year was a great year, and um, and the Christmas Eve service, for those of you here, as Peter mentioned, was just an absolutely fabulous service. Great worship, great singing, great message, just a really, really good good end to the year. And we're excited to see what God has in store for us this year. If you were here last January, you may recall we did a, a series, we called it The Fruits of Summer, and we looked at some of the fruits of the Spirit. Last year we looked at love, joy, peace, patience and faithfulness. And this year we're going to continue that series and look at the other four fruits of the Spirit. And I really like the fact that we call this series The Fruits of Summer, which I really like it because it's summer in Australia and life tends to slow down just a little bit. After Christmas, you know, the schools are closed, some businesses are closed, a lot of us take holidays, and we can take a break from some of the stresses of life. And we all, we all need that, and it's good and it's healthy. But this is a reminder that we don't take a break from being God's people. We don't just take a week off to, from, you know, from serving God with our life. So the fruits of summer just reminds us that we can be fruitful for God all year round, even in summer, even in January. Now when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, what, what spirit are we talking about? We need to clarify this. We're talking about the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. God is holy, so his Spirit is called the Holy Spirit. Some people may have enjoyed some other spirits, and we're certainly not talking about them. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? Now, so you, you all know God, you know, God the Father, our Father who art in heaven, the one we pray to. So God sent his Son, Jesus, whom, you know, remember we were celebrated his birth just last week, Jesus, the Son of God, and called Emmanuel, God with us, because Jesus came and lived as a man among people, which was a pretty amazing thing. And then Jesus was crucified, and he, he rose from the dead. And then before he went back to heaven, after the resurrection, but before the ascension, he said, said to his disciples, I'm going to go, and it's good that I go, because I will send to you the Holy Spirit which he did in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came and, and filled the disciples and the church was planted and continues to grow today, 2,000 years later. And it was good that Jesus went and sent the Holy Spirit because Jesus, being a man, being human, was constrained by physical restraints of being human. He was in one place at one time, whereas the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. So the Holy Spirit can simultaneously comfort and strengthen and guide and comfort you and me and all God's people all over the world. So it is literally the Spirit of God. So God the Father, God the Son, whom we call Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit are all, all God. So when I speak of one or the other this morning, ultimately we're talking about the same being in three different forms. And I know it's hard for us to understand that the same being can be in three different forms and the, only, the best analogy I've ever heard, and I know it's not perfect, but is the compound H2O. Water is H2O and ice is H2O and steam is H2O. It's all the same compound, but it comes in three different forms. Ice is a physical object. You can see and it's, it's fixed, but water and steam are, are much more, more, more fluid. And that's the best analogy I can come up with to try to explain how God is in three different forms, but it's all God. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus. Now in today's Bible reading, we saw two lists. 
Um, these lists, it's like a before and after list, isn't it? You know, you've all seen those, you know, before I started this diet and then after I started this diet. And um, often, you know, this is not an instantaneous change, but this is the what our life looks like before the Holy Spirit comes in and what our life looks like after we have allowed the Holy Spirit into our life and he, he changes us. So like I said, it's not always instant change, but these changes happen over time. And these lists are very, very different from each other. This is spirit versus flesh, not good versus evil, light versus dark, like anyone else versus Essendon. These are just, these lists are very, very different from each other. And, and we're focusing on the positive. We could do a whole series on the fruits of the flesh, but that wouldn't be much fun and we don't actually want to, you know magnify those things any more than we need to. So we're focusing on the positive, we're looking at the fruits of the Holy Spirit and the things that we would like to see in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. And today we're going to talk about goodness. The word goodness comes from an old English word, godness, believe it or not, which obviously means godly. There is one translation of the Bible that actually translates this word as generosity, but the vast majority use the word goodness and I think we all know what goodness means and obviously we do know that God is generous and so generous generosity will also be one of the fruits of having God live in our lives. Last week was Christmas as you probably gathered and at Christmas time we often hear about Santa and the basic message of Santa is if you are good you will get a reward. Last week we watched a video, if you are here at the Christmas Eve service, that talked about how sometimes we think of God the same way we think of Santa, and, and that is not a good thing. Now, regardless of what you think of Santa, and I'm, you know, we all have different practices, and I understand there's kids here, so I'm going to word this carefully. Um, Santa's not a big part of our family Christmas, but with respect to others, but regardless of what you think of Santa, let me assure you that God is not like Santa. First of all, God's love is unconditional. It's not performance-based. God doesn't say, if you are good enough, then I'll, you know, I'll give you a reward. In fact, on the contrary, God says, give your life to me and I will send you the Holy Spirit to help you to be good, to help you to achieve the goodness you would like. His love is unconditional. Also, God doesn't promise these earthly rewards you know, on a, on a performance-based contract. In fact, God is honest and he admits, hey, no matter how good you are, sometimes life is going to be tough. We're all going to have hard times in life no matter how good we may be. What God does promise to his followers is an eternal future that is out of this world. It's to die for, seriously. It is going to be great. So no matter what you believe about Santa, let me assure you that Jesus is better. He's His love is not performance-based, and it is available to everyone. And at this time of year, we also hear a lot about New Year's resolutions. Now, personally, I'm not a huge fan of New Year's resolutions. I prefer New Life resolutions, because if you you see something in your life that you're convicted about and you want to change, well, just start. Why wait till the end of the year and do it then? But for a lot of people, the symbolism of a new year and a new start, time to turn over a new leaf... So people do make New Year's resolutions. And often, New Year's resolutions have a common theme around wanting to be a good person. That's often the the central kind of theme. Now, there's nothing wrong with goodness. There's nothing wrong with trying to be good and trying to improve yourself, trying to be better. 
They're all good things. A, goodness is a worthy and honourable goal. But I need you all to understand today, this is the, the, the most important part of today's message, and I'm going to try and explain this and unpack this more. We must understand that goodness is not a way to earn our salvation. In fact, on the contrary, goodness is a symptom of our salvation. You're not a Christian because you are good. You're a Christian because Jesus is living inside you, because you, have, because you believe in Jesus, you have put your faith in Jesus. And once you give your life to Jesus, God, in the form of the Holy Spirit, will enter your life, enter your heart, and will transform you from within and change you so that goodness will be the result or the evidence or the consequence or the fruit of having Jesus in your life. It's not how you... Goodness doesn't earn the salvation. In fact, we can never be good enough in our own strength to earn salvation. No matter how much good we do, we will all make mistakes. We have all done the wrong thing at times and we all, we're all guilty of something and we all deserve to be punished for the wrong things that we have done. In fact, the only person who ever lived a perfect, blameless, innocent life was Jesus Christ. And because Jesus was completely innocent, he was able to take upon himself the punishment that you and I deserved for the wrong things that we have done. And Jesus chose to die so that we might live. And when we accept him, when we believe in him, when we put our faith in him, he comes into our life and the Holy Spirit enters our hearts, the Spirit of God. And the evidence of that, the, the fruit of that, will be a life that is, um, demonstrates the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. And all of those, the fruit. We can never earn God's love or God's approval or God's reward by ourselves. Goodness is simply a result of the Holy Spirit living in us. Ephesians 2 that Nathan read for us before explains, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So if you want to do good things in your life, give your heart to Jesus and let him come in and do the good through you. Now just a quick aside about the purpose of this series, this whole series through the fruits of the Spirit. And I said this last year, but I'll say it again. The the purpose of this series is not to lay a guilt trip on you and make you go home thinking, I'm going to try harder to be good, I'm going to try harder to be patient and self-controlled and all those things. No. The purpose of this series is to encourage you and motivate you and inspire you and challenge you to give your life to God so that God can come into your heart and change the fruit of your life and make you more patient, more joyful, more peaceful. Some people may focus their efforts on doing something good trying to earn God's approval. And we need to understand today that nothing that we do can make God love us any more. And nothing that we do can make God love us any less. God loves you, period, full stop, end of discussion. So your goodness will never be good enough. You can never earn your own salvation through goodness. Salvation can only come through Jesus and true goodness can only come as a consequence of your salvation. 
So, two questions, one from each end. First of all, does that mean that anyone who does something good is automatically a Christian? No. The answer is definitely no. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus warns us, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. So some people may do a good thing and they, they may seem good, but they're not actually godly. My favourite TV show is a show called Everybody Loves Raymond. And if you've seen it, you know it's, it's a comedy. And there's a, one episode, it's sort of a flashback to when Raymond first meets his Deborah, who becomes his wife. And Deborah meets his family briefly and she says, your family seems nice. And Ray says, yeah, they seem nice. And uh, if you've seen the show, you'll know it's, it's very amusing. And um, so some people do something good and they seem good, but what they do is not actually, is less important as who they are. So we need to look at the fruit of their lives. Do they display the fruits of the flesh or do they display the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Now, we'll just put that list up again, um, please, Adam. Hopefully, yes, there you go. Obviously, you look at someone's life. If someone is is practicing sexual immorality, that's obviously not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, we need to step aside for a moment and say, obviously, plenty of people have practiced sexual immorality and then they come to God, God enters their life, changes their ways. It's not our place to judge or condemn them from whatever, for whatever happened before God was in their life. Not our place at all. God can and does and will forgive, and so can we. But if someone is continually, deliberately, habitually practicing sexual immorality, you have to ask yourself, are they listening to the Holy Spirit or are they listening to the desires of the flesh? What about fits of rage and anger? You know, you, you know people like that, they, they blow their top and they cause trouble and strife and division and heartache. That, that's not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Selfish ambition. See, there's nothing wrong with ambition. It's good for us to be ambitious and always strive to be, to be better and to improve ourselves and to be more generous and make the world a better place. That's all good stuff. But if the ultimate aim of ambition is because oh, I want to get patted on the back and oh, I want to you know, make more money and hoard up more stuff and it's all about me, 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 that's, that's actually selfish ambition. That's not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. What about dissension? discord, division. You know, the people who go in, they're always criticising, they're gossiping, they're backstabbing, they're turning people against one another, just causing trouble and strife. That's not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And obviously drunkenness as well. How can you know what is good and not what is actually good and not just seems good, what is godly? By looking for the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus tells us, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. Now, the fruit of a tree is always the result of the nature of that tree. Okay, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? A lemon tree is always going to produce lemons. You can ask it nicely to produce oranges. You can yell at it and demand that it starts to produce oranges. You can try to make it feel really guilty for not producing oranges. But at the end of the day, it is a lemon tree and it will produce lemons. The only way you're going to get it to produce oranges is by replacing it with an orange tree. And it's the same with our life. 
You can try to produce good fruit in your own strength. And, but the only way to really change the fruit of your life is to change the nature of your life. The Bible talks about being a new creation, being born again. The old is gone, the new has come. But not living for ourselves anymore, but living for Jesus. A new life, a new creation, a transformation in ourselves. So letting Jesus in, letting the Holy Spirit into our life is the only way to transform our life and therefore the only way to transform the fruit of our life. So the question from the other side, does any imperfection then automatically mean that you are not a Christian? And again, the answer is no. None of us will ever achieve perfection in this life no matter how hard we try. In 1 John chapter 1 it says, If we claim we have no sin, in other words, anyone who says, hey, I'm perfect, I've never done anything wrong, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So no one is perfect in this life and we can never achieve perfection in this life no matter how hard we try. So don't try to be perfect in this life. Instead, give yourself to God. Open up your heart and your life to God so that he can transform your life from within. Now, it's fair to say there are areas of my life where the Holy Spirit still has a bit of work to do. Uh, one thing, one of my pet hates is red traffic lights. <laughs> you know, you just... You're in the car, you want to get from here to there and you're sitting waiting for the light to change and there's nothing more frustrating and my family will all tell you that I tend to cop more than my share and maybe God's trying to teach me something. I'm always frustrated at the the traffic lights. Sometimes, a while ago, I tried changing my attitude. I would sit there saying, I love red lights. There's no place I'd rather be than stuck in traffic waiting for the lights to change. It doesn't really work. Um, more recently, I've tried reverse psychology on the traffic lights. I sit there and I say, I talk to the traffic lights. I say, please don't go green. Whatever you do, please don't go green. And you know what happens? Eventually, they go green. Hey. They, see, traffic lights don't get sarcasm. It's, it's fantastic. So I've, I'm working my way around that one. But it's fair to say that you know, we all have issues in our life that God is still, still dealing with us. When I was younger, I was about 17 or 18, and I remember I actually wrote a list of behavioural patterns that I wanted to, to change or aspire to. I wanted to be more, you know, more likeable, more popular, a better person. And I, I can't even remember all of the things on the list. I know that being polite to everyone and not losing my temper, I know those were two of the things on this list. And look, sometimes in our own strength, we may make make a bit of a difference, make, make some improvements, but ultimately I realised that the only way to really change our nature is to let the Holy Spirit into our life and let him do it. The fruit of our nature is clear, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit is different, radically, completely, totally different. And these fruits of the Holy Spirit, um, we'll just have those up again please, Adam. Those fruits, they are not the fruit of our efforts the fruit of our labours, the fruit of our good intentions. That is the fruit, that is the evidence, the result, the consequence of having the Holy Spirit of God in our lives that will produce that kind of fruit. Because God, when he comes in, he changes us, he transforms us, he renews us, he refreshes us. He makes us into a new creation, more Christ-like. 
when you see someone who is, whose life is just demonstrating the fruits of the flesh, don't, don't condemn them and bag them. Understand those people need the Holy Spirit. So pray for those people. Pray that their hearts will be softened to allow God into their life to transform them and change them for the better. And similarly, when you see someone whose life is full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, don't pat them on the back and say, God on you, you legend. No, give the credit where it's due. Give the credit to God and say, isn't it fantastic that God has transformed the life of that person? Give the glory to God. That should always be the purpose of our lives, to give glory to God. The ultimate purpose of humanity is to bring glory to God. And how do we do that? By being filled with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to produce good fruit in our lives. Something I've just recently come to understand in a new and deeper way is that God is actually more concerned with the people we are becoming than the circumstances of our life. He does care about you know, the details of our life and all of those things, but even more, I think, he's interested in the people that we are becoming through our experiences. So I encourage people, don't, don't pray for a million dollars, don't pray for an easy life. Just pray to be more like Jesus and let him produce good fruit in your life. So this year, if you have a New Year's resolution, focus less on trying to be good and focus more on submitting to God and letting him into every area of your life. Let this be the year and let today be the day when you open up your whole life to God. You might have already given your heart to Jesus, but today can be the day when you give your whole life to him. The, your tongue and the words you say and your eyes and the things you watch on TV and on your phone and on the computer and your hands and your feet and your wallet and your leisure time and your whole life to Jesus. When we give our whole life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit can transform every part of us and produce good fruit in every part of our life. And God bless you today and every day and every moment that you spend living for him. Let's all pray. Father God, thank you for the gift of life and thank you for a new, a new year and a new start. Thank you for the gift of your son Jesus who died and rose again so we might be forgiven. And thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit who can renew us, refresh us, revive us, reform us, and transform us. Lord, my prayer today for myself and for everyone here is this. May our hearts be open to you. Please come into our lives, work in us, change us for the better, and let us produce good fruit, godly fruit in our lives. And may all the glory go to you, O God. Amen. Thanks, everyone.